0: This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition.
1: I really felt a sense of almost dread and anxiety that was building up because I didn't have that traditional outlet to really kind of work out the stress, to get up there to, I mean, all those things that now my, my workouts have been giving me that I was just doing it because I'm, I'm trying to be healthy intentionally.
0: Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Lara Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today I'm talking to two women on the rise, sisters Allison Goldstein Lebovitz and Amanda Goldstein Marks. Last year, Allison and Amanda teamed up to create one of my favorite podcasts, Sis and Tell, a half-hour weekly show where Jewish humor meets Southern chatter, best defined by its tagline, A Whole Lot of Talk About a Whole Lot of Nothing. Allison is also the host of the A-List with Allison Lebovitz. A half hour television show for PBS. And Amanda is a quirky and endearing stand up comedian, actress, content creator, and super tired mom. Amanda and I met years ago when we both worked for Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. And Allison and I met coincidentally last year through a mutual friend in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where Allison lives. And we quickly realized that we had Amanda in common. So I invited them on the podcast mostly because I just thought it would be fun. And I am also from the South and because they had recently mentioned on their podcast that they had been focusing on exercise and healthy pursuits, general self-care stuff. And I just kind of wanted to talk to them and, and have, a, have a good time. So thank you guys for being here, ladies. I'm really excited to chat with you.
1: Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, actually one of my
2: One of my favorite stories of when you met Allison, because I think you thought you knew her, right? I did. I totally did. Well, I'm sitting
0: here realizing that as I'm talking to you guys, that my Southern accent is coming out, so my listeners are gonna be like, "What is going on?" Because this is what happens when I talk to other Southerners.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "What's up, y'all?" But, but even then, I was so fascinated by not only your professional background, but what you are doing now, and how your professional career has, you know, led itself to to kind of this intersection of being yeah. able to to maximize what you know what you're great at and what you're passionate about. Um, and I was all about, I'm like, "Oh my gosh." You and she's a coach and she does things with health <laughs> health, and self-care. And so we're just glad that all of a sudden this has now truly come, if not full circle, then circled back. For- <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally. Totally. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it's, I, um, anyway, it's just funny. And I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that Sisentel, and Tell, like seriously, for all my listeners, you must look up and listen to Sis and Tell, especially if you have any connection to the South, because like... I mean, I think that's why I love it because I grew up in the South and I just I love listening to you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we do a lot of that. That is Yes, true. you do.
0: Well, and actually so that so that's a good segue into, you know, because literally like what I mean, Amanda and I had been, you know, had connected about about your podcast before, but what made me think that you would be fun to have on the on the on my podcast is just, yeah, you've been talking a lot about exercise and you know, healthy eating and your own pursuits around that. So, how's that going? <laughs> well,
2: I think I think Allison's been exercising much longer than I have, and I have I've kind of had these like stints where I'll try to exercise and I just give it up. And actually, I was remembering when uh, I was back at Turner after I had my first child, and there is a gym on campus, and I was taking one of the exercise classes. It was a spin class. And we had an instructor come in and he kept on asking us to tighten the resistance and I would just pretend (laughs) to tighten the resistance and then and then I knew that was not for me but like you know every few years I would try like one thing and then give it up but uh most recently started taking a fitwit class and it was because one of my friends had been taking it and he's like you should do it, and he caught me at a weak moment, and I was like, "All right." So <laughs> I signed up for the the test month, and then I committed myself to twelve months. So wow. my goal is simple, and it's to show up.
0: I think that's a great goal. Well, yeah, and what I'm curious, Amanda, like what what has been your um, sort of struggle around exercise in the past? Because like, it sounds like that's you know the, the thing that you're that you have a hard time keeping keeping up right. with. Right.
2: So, number one, I don't like to physically exert myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she Fair doesn't enough. like to
1: sweat. And she's naturally
2: skinny. She's the person we all hate. <laughs> 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 I'm also naturally weak. I have, like, no muscles. I, like, literally, like, we joke and I can't do a sit-up. And Allison made me try to do a sit-up in front of her
1: during our podcast. and, <laughs> yeah. and
2: Which no, none of the listeners could obviously
1: see. I almost missed going. that episode. I hope but, she, I hope she has a soul because she has no core. I'm not right. sure <laughs> nice.,
2: <laughs> um, but you know, I don't know. I would just none of it was a good fit. i I felt like if I could go, to a class that was essentially a really good bar mitzvah party, that that would be a good fit, but that doesn't really exist. I even tried jazzercise and I didn't like it. So I need a bar mitzvah party. But this, I would say that actually my coach came up to me yesterday in the class and she's like, you're always smiling. You're always so happy. And number one, I have resting happy face. So I can't really (laughs) help. That's
0: way better than the alternative, (laughs) which is what I have.
2: And then number two, they were just, they always play really good music. So back to like the bar mitzvah party thing, like music just (laughs) keeps me going. It changes my mood. And the fact that they have music that I love and that I can like keep a beat to, it really, it motivates me
0: totally well and you've done exactly what i tell my clients to do which is experiment until you find something that you actually like right because you it's like yeah you can't i mean i haven't set foot in a gym in i don't know 15 years like i don't do gyms like i don't like that experience but i love running and i love you know the experience of being in a yoga studio sometimes you know but but yeah like you <laughs> maybe you finally hit on something that you that you like what was the motivation though like why did you start Experimenting again. Like, why were you like, I gotta figure this out?
2: I, I don't think there was a specific something that sparked my desire to start again. It was just happenstance. That's all uh-huh. it was. It was just my friend Aton was talking about his gym. And my the first question out of my mouth was, What type of music do they play? And he said, Early 90s hip hop, and I go, I'm in. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think some of this may be, and maybe it was subconscious and you didn't realize this was a motivation, but I'm seven years older than Amanda. And so I'm going through some natural, I think, physical changes, especially with my body and metabolism that I've been, you know, admittedly and openly struggling with, uh, really to anybody who will listen. And so <laughs> I think maybe in anticipation of that, Amanda has always been blessed with, I think, a, a great metabolism, a fabulous looking body and not that our bodies are the end-all be-all, but I think as we get into our late 40s as women, just things change. I mean, it's sure. I it continues to change. So um, I've been encouraging her too also to to kind of take the reins while she still can. And I mean, admittedly, I was always the athletic one in the family. So <laughs> let's <laughs> clear. I'm the one who had, a, my dad coached me in everything from softball to JCC basketball. And then all through high school, I played basketball. Did you play a sport, Amanda, or, or what's your classic line? You're afraid of balls. So. Right. Uh,
2: I know, but yeah, my, my parents signed me up for every single sports team. And I finally asked, and I was so bad at them. I said, why'd you sign me up? They said, we just wanted you to learn to be a team player. And I realized I had learned to be afraid of balls. And that's what. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Right. No, but I had, I, you know, I did the sports. I did all the sport. I was on a co-ed basketball team for years. And I think that was not good because I was really intimidated by the boys on the basketball court. And I was like a game of hot potato if I ever got the ball, which they rarely gave it to me, just would throw it back. And then I played soccer in kindergarten, but it was too hot and there are too many bees. I was afraid oh, man, of the bees. South, totally. Right.
0: <laughs> it's way too hot. Um,
2: I played softball, <laughs> but you know, I was not. Like when I went to Camp Jewish Summer Camp I was like super good at softball but like <laughs> <during> the- <laughs> it's <was> all
0: relative. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, and it's funny too cuz I grew up playing team sports and stuff too and I maybe, maybe I'm not a good team player because all the sports that I've settled on are sports is a strong word but all of the activities that I've sed- settled on as an adult are individual sports and so yeah like I um I can totally relate to that in, in some respects. What are you know.
1: playing? So what are you playing now? <laughs> well, like I
0: mean, I don't, yeah, that's why I said sports is a strong word. So, I, so I'm so i a runner um, okay. and I do a fair amount of yoga, although I do typically do it at home. You know, I, um, I used to be a Pilates instructor in New York. That was kind of my first step into this health and wellness world after I left the corporate world. Um, and so i feel like i have a semi-decent like sense of where my body is in space so i don't go to the studios all that often although i wouldn't recommend that for beginners but um yeah those are the two fallbacks for me and then i actually just recently took a cross-country skiing class which was super fun um because out here in seattle you know you just drive you know 45 minutes to an hour outside the city and you can just hop on a trail and and go so i don't know we'll see if that sticks
1: (laughs) And I'm the opposite. I need the social component to working out. So I do. I I joined um, Orange Theory, you know, back in August. And I like, number one, that it is social. A friend of mine, Emma, you know, she's the one who suggested I join because she'd been going and every so often we meet up. But I see now the same faces, even if I don't know them outside of the gym. And I like that there's an instructor I need, you know, versus your solo routine. I need somebody like literally like a boot camp (laughs) atmosphere telling me exactly what to do and for how long I like the competitive of nature. And then I've been in this um, all women's tennis clinic for the past four years. It happens to be at our kid's school and uh, we have t-shirts that we've gotten made that say tennis is cheaper than therapy. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes, totally. And that's how I approach exercise too. It's, it has less to do with the physicality of it and more to do with my mental state. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's what motivates me to keep doing it. Yeah. But to your point, Alison, I, mean, I think that's right. I think there are a lot of people who do. And I, I've gone through phases where I used to ride at Flywheel Sports. I don't know if Flywheel exists in Atlanta. Is, is there a Flywheel in Atlanta? It's in New York. I don't think so. It's a New York based company that um, happened to open a studio in Seattle right after I moved here. But they're, um, it's indoor cycling. But music is a huge component of it. So, so you might like it, um, Amanda. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It all goes back to like, you've got to experiment until you find something. that, and it's, And it might change too. Like I think, you know, it's certainly for me, like I get really into something for a period of time and then I'm just not interested anymore and I switch. So I think people have to be open to that and just view it as an experiment rather than saying, you know, I suck because I don't want to do this. Well, you just haven't found the right movement for you yet. You know, Mm
1: -hmm. I always, um, I quote a guy named, um, uh, Maynard Fuller. I think that's his name. Anyway, I might be saying his name wrong, but he is one of the co-founders of Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. And he once said it is easier to act, uh, yourself into a new way of thinking than to think yourself into a new way of acting. And by that, I try to grasp that because i you know, I'm, True to everything you've just said, I have workout ADD in the past 20 years or so, we'll say, in my married life. Every two years, I've switched. I've done CrossFit. I've done personal trainer. I've done personal trainer with other people. I've done the, cir- the circuit training with, like, the 80-year-olds. I mean, I- I've literally <laughs> tried- everything. I've tried the the running apps. I've tried the workout apps. I've bought every DVD. I brought back the Jane Fonda tapes that I found in my you know basement. I mean, literally, I will switch every two years to try to find that little nugget or dare I say magic bullet. And I realize now as I'm approaching 50, there is no magic bullet that I really have to be the motivation. And um, as much as I'm not a morning person, I work out, you know or try to 3 days a week and I go to a 615 class because I know I'm just sort of awake enough to to be able to drive there <laughs> not quite awake enough to be able to talk myself out of it and I know that if I cancel there's going to be a penalty which I can't stand any of those yeah. financial penalties and so that commitment is actually I have to commit in advance and then hold myself to it knowing that there's an expectation there and then just do it I have to act my way into a new way of thinking
0: yeah no, from- i'm glad you said that i think that's that's very true and yeah the financial <laughs> incentive you know yeah i mean i think eventually too i mean what i see with my clients is that eventually and maybe you guys can relate to this you know over time there does start to be an internal motivation anyway like you just you you start to whether you want to call it being addicted to the whatever you're doing or what whatever you know there there's like this um Internal alarm that goes off eventually that motivates you to to do it again. Like you know, that's what happens for me. I see it happen with clients where it starts to become self-sustaining and it's just part of your your life. But it does take it takes a while to get there, and sometimes you need that external motivation to 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 get you to make that long-term behavior change. And um and it's going to ebb and flow too. That's the other thing. Like, I mean, there's some months that I don't work out as much as I you know. You just have to. I think compassion is a big, self-compassion is a big piece of it too, you know, so. Yeah, I
2: don't have, I don't think I have self-compassion, <laughs> I'm I'm like self-deprecating, but that's kind of part of my humor as a stand-up, but FitWit is really about competing just against yourself and that's very important to them and they have these like check-ins where we'll do sprints on the air bike and on the rowing machine and we're and they write it down based on what we write down and then we have to compete against ourselves six weeks later to see where we are and we did that this week with the air bike and I actually did not write my new time down because I was so I was so embarrassed and I was I kept on waiting for them to be like Amanda you didn't write your name on the board but they never they never said anything, but
0: <laughs> don't be embarrassed. Like you said, if your goal is just to show up, you are you. But you did it, right?
2: Right. Yes, um, I did.
0: That's in one of it. these
2: days, I'm going to be able to do a sit up. I just yes. know it. <laughs> I know. I
0: I believe in you, Amanda. I do.
2: So I so I'm
0: curious, um, Allison, because you've you know on the A list, you've interviewed a lot of uh, really successful and powerful women like Jane Pauley and Naomi Judd and Randy Zuckerberg, and I'm sure a lot of others. um, Have you noticed any sort of common themes in the way those women approach self-care, health, work-life balance, any of those things, any themes?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good question because I feel like for women, especially we get asked that question a lot, you know, how, you know, how does she do it all? Um, How do you create that balance? And, and I say, you know, sort of joke that you never hear a guy on the news being interviewed saying, how do you do it all? You know, totally. <laughs> how do you make that balance? They just do and women just do. And that's why I always say, I never say I don't have time for something because if it's a priority in my life or it it's sacred or meaningful to me, I make time. I think we all do. And that's how mm-hmm. we find the balance. Um, it's funny you bring up, especially like a Jane Polly, who um, I had the good fortune of interviewing in Chattanooga, not only for the show, but while she was serving as a, a keynote speaker for an organization here uh, called the AIM Center. And they uh, work with uh adults with uh mental illness and i don't know if you know but jane Polly was diagnosed very late in life in in her 50s with bipolar disorder oh, i didn't know and that. it was uh it was triggered i think by um by prednisone i think it might have been latent in her um they think she had, she had, was taking prednisone for something totally different and then that triggered the bipolar disorder she's now very open about it i think she's been living with bipolar for for 16 17 years now and part of, I think, this idea of self-care is this, this holistic view of life, that it can't just be about working out. It can't just be about taking care of your emotional stability. It can't just be about, you know, all of these compartments. It's if you silo those parts of your life, you'll never find true health. And what I love, and I've quoted her many times, is she's, she runs into a lot of people who say, oh, so you're cured. Oh, so you're better now. And part of her journey is being very clear about the fact that she lives with bipolar disorder and she has to take medication every day. And she says, you know, I haven't had an episode in however many years, but it's because I'm on the right medication. And I know that I will be on that medication for the rest of my life. And that way it helps me regulate and it helps me lead a healthy life but don't ever confuse my need jane polly would say to be on this medication and to be in the right dose and to be healthy this way with ever being quote unquote cured because Mm -hmm. there is no cure and i think a lot of times in our society we look for people you know we we put them in those two categories are you healthy or are you um, unstable? Are you are you mentally um, secure, or do you need medication? And and sometimes we we feel like those are mutually exclusive. And what I've learned, especially from people like Jane Polly and other successful women that I've interviewed, is it's not that simple. You know, it's just yeah. health and wellness is not a matter of just being able to go down one path and saying I'm secure that way. It's it's not just finding the balance in your life. It's finding the balance in a healthy lifestyle.
0: You have big dreams through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, traveling solo to Tibet, starting your own business, running a marathon, nailing the presentation at the corporate retreat. But there's just one problem. You feel tired for no reason, lazy, lacking in confidence, like your entire identity has changed over the past five, 10, 15 years. You used to be active, engaged, powerful, but those days are gone, lost in the years you spent figuring out how to be a mom, how to rise to the top of your profession, how to be the best partner you can be to your spouse, In these 5, 10, 15 years, the only person not on your list was you. You've lost touch with the confident, active, powerful woman you remember being, and you're over it. That's why I created my free audio guide and online workshop to show you three surprising ways to reactivate the confident, healthy, and powerful you so you can wake up with the power to take on your goals. To get your free copy, visit LaraDolch.com slash free dash guide. That's LaraDolch.com slash free dash guide. So glad you said that because I think that you know one of the reasons that I chose the the um, path of coaching over, for example, becoming a registered dietitian, you know, was because it made no sense to me to separate the sort of pursuit of healthy eating from the pursuit of everything else in your life, right? Like to separate how you're eating from how you're what you're what's going on in your career, what's going on in your relationships, what's going on you know in other parts of your life like because they're interconnected and if you're not to your point if you're not looking at the big picture of it 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 just it doesn't work you can't silo those things again to to use your your language and and it's funny because i think that um as common as that approach feels to me, because I'm in it every day, I hear from women who go through my Vibrant Health Playbook program that 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 is an unusual approach. That they they see it and they say, "I've never seen a program that looks at all aspects of my life before." And it and it, I mean, that's great, but it makes me sad that it that it's not more common. So I'm I'm actually glad to hear that these you know these really successful women have like locked in on that. They figured out that yeah, it's not about balance. It's about I always say it's about work life integration, right? It's about how do you, you know, one day balance might mean something different than it does the next day. One day it might mean you're working your ass off on a project that you have a deadline for and you're letting go of other stuff. And one day it might be you're like, I'm all about working out and whatever. So um, that's interesting to hear that that you've picked up on that from that that holistic approach has come through in your conversations with these with these women. Um, Well, and I
1: think we're also, we're, we're much more open, especially about that mental health conversation and what that looks like and how many people suffer from anxiety, depression, bipolar, whatever the spectrum of those ills might be. And that these are, these are inherited uh, genetic diseases often that, that no one can control. And for us to continue to put that under the rug and to think that those are things we can't talk about in public. Why, you know, that was, I think the, the ideas of, of decades ago. Now, I think In your place of worship, in your university, at your school, um, in your support groups, in your social centers, in your in any place where you are finding any conversation valid, those have to be top of mind because until we can have that conversation, everything about working out and a nutritious you know lifestyle and how do we eat and gluten free and all of that it is secondary to really this idea that we all have to have that mental health conversation and uh, and I'm I'm very much encouraged i think by the way our society is going sadly some some of it because of tragedies in our in our country that are forcing that conversation but i think for for a few years now people are realizing that we have to make that something that people are willing to discuss and willing to discuss openly without it feeling like uh, an embarrassment but more so a conversation to make sure that we know that part of healthy living is being able to successfully and openly talk about those ills that we once kind of put in the closet.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, Amanda, I'm curious and actually this really applies to both of you because you're both, you know, in in sort of the um, you know, I'll call it the entertainment industry and you know, I used to work in that space too, but it's funny like self-care was never a conversation. Like I never had that conversation when we were working at Cartoon Network. Like it wasn't even a term that came up for me, but I'm curious, Amanda, what you've seen, especially because you're a performer, like is that, is self-care part of the conversation in the, in the performer space as far as how you're able to perform?
2: I would say, uh, when comedians talk about self-care, they're talking about smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you can define it however you want. <laughs> right. Um, no, I don't think it's a part of the conversation at all. Um, no. I mean, and and this is not talking about the acting industry, which I really, you know, I'm new to that industry. So I really can't speak to that much except for probably actors work out a lot more than comedians because they have to be fit in order to get roles or certain roles. Mm-hmm. But in the stand-up comedy world, it's hard because our stage is usually in a bar, Right. Yeah. And there's a social aspect to it. It's not just going to work. It's going to hang out with your friends. So I'll often see comedians and who are my friends, you know, outside smoking cigarettes with their buddies or getting Mm -hmm. drinks and you may drink more because your friend is there. But once in a while, you'll see someone making a giant Facebook announcement saying, I'm not going to drink anymore. And, you know, I would get into the habit of also going out and having one drink, um, which is, you know, not that much comparatively, but the thing I did to kind of keep myself from drinking every time I go out to perform is, and I know this sounds so silly, but I would brush my teeth <laughs> before, <laughs> before I left at night but, and floss and I'm a flosser. So just so <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, having that taste in my mouth of um, I already you know, flossed and brush my teeth. I don't feel like having to do that when I get home at midnight. So it, it would keep me from drinking and instead I'd just drink a ton of water when that's I'm a good there. good
1: idea, actually. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, toothpaste what? would never deter me from having <laughs> a martini. <laughs> I would for me.
0: I'm lazy, too. I mean, I'm like, I don't want to deal with that when I get home. That's that's, that's I'm like
1: brushing my teeth and then pass the uh, sorbet so I can clean my palate so I can have another drink. So... <laughs>
2: But you get into, you you know, I think you get into a habit and because it's for a lot of comedians, you know, some it's a hobby and some it's a job, but no Mm -hmm. matter what, it's, it's social. So Mm -hmm. having to, um, kind of separate yourself from that is something that takes a while for certain people. And, you know, I entered this industry, uh, four years ago, almost. And in my, you know, I was like, what, I was thirty. Six thirty-seven when I started. So I had hindsight as, <laughs> as a helper, so to speak. And a lot of the people who do comedy are in their twenties and yeah. they can wake up at early and not have children to take care of and they can party at night and stay up late. And it's just a different sort of subculture for them than it is for me. But I, you know, I have when, you know, I've got Kids to take care of early in the morning, and I have a time I have to wake up no matter what. So I that definitely helps uh, keep me from taking it to the next level. <laughs> right, right.
0: Like you might have in your twenties. Yeah. Well, and what do you guys notice? I mean, for both of you, like, what do you notice on? You know, obviously the the kind of frame that I have these conversations. Um, in for my podcast is how self care contributes to your ability to show up in your life, um, whether that's on a personal level or professionally. What have you noticed about you know maybe the days or the weeks that you're paying better attention to to self care versus those that you're not, and how that affects your ability to to show up.
1: I think it's also, it's part of that routine. I mean, you you can see in in research that the the greatest thinkers and leaders in the world have certain attributes in common. Um, They always work out in the morning, first thing, they wake up early, you know, consistently, they make lists of what they're going to do. And oftentimes they sort of wear the same clothes. You know, you see this in, yes, in the like, uniform. Uh, Steve Jobs or the Barack Obamas of the world who wear that uniform so that they can save their brain capital for other things. And not that I do all of those things on a consistent basis, but I think having that routine, knowing that, you know, I'm scheduling my workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing this on Tuesday. I, I want to set that routine and so it's less things for me to think about when I start my morning and it's and I know there's a start to my morning you know versus just that your workday starts at 8:30 or whatever that looks like that you have a little bit of control and even though it, it feels like it's a little bit trite where they say, oh, if you work out, you're going to feel better. You're going to think better. You're going to sleep better. It is really true. And the, I was injured uh, about a week ago. Um, I had a neck injury. <laughs> I kept calling it whiplash. We're not quite sure if, if it was whiplash, but whatever it was, I, I couldn't work out for a week, which in a normal context, I'd be like, woohoo, go for the injury. I'm off. <laughs> But I really felt a sense of almost dread and anxiety that was building up because I didn't have that traditional outlet to really kind of work out the stress, to get up there, to, I mean, all those things that now my my workouts have been giving me that I was just doing it because I'm, I'm trying to be healthy intentionally, but all of the added benefits of that were lost when I had to take off for that week or week and a half. And so I think once you start doing something, I think it does, and and it just has to. It contributes to the rest of your day, and then the ripple effect that of that is your week, your attitude, your desire to be more productive. You know, it's it's um, productiveness begets productiveness. So once you start yeah. on this productive trail, it just leads you there. And Versus the other, the sloth, you know, the sloth becomes more slothy. So <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: yeah. a word <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and it's funny because uh, a few weeks ago, my um, guest, Tara Gentilly, who's a, a business coach and runs a, a community, a, a sort of global community for entrepreneurs, um, was talking about how her, one of her, um, sort of the tipping point for her in terms of prioritizing exercise was that she was observing all of these other, you know, successful entrepreneurs in her sphere and how they all had some kind of, to your point, workout routine. <laughs> and she's like, maybe that's, maybe that's something I should consider doing. And, and, and the sort of ripple effect that it's had on her business and her life has been tremendous. Um, you know, something that she couldn't have anticipated. What was the, what was the tipping point for, I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but was there a tipping point for either of you in terms of, um, whether it was exercise or maybe it's, you know, making the choice to eat healthier or anything, was there, was there a, a trigger for you? that cause you to prioritize those things?
2: I mean, I think, so when I initially signed up for the gym I'm with, FitWit, once my trial month ended, I had to make a decision, right? I could do three, six, 12 months. And I decided to do 12 months. And I kept on having this mantra in my head of, if not now, when? So, and I felt like it needs to become a habit. And our mom had some back problems a few years ago and ended up having to have surgery. And, you know, that's also hereditary. So I also was thinking of like my future self and making sure my future self is okay. And I need, Mm. you know, I need to be stronger. And I, I do, I'd say I've always um, eating pretty healthy though. I'm a pretty healthy eater. And I'd been a vegetarian for a very long time for about 20 years. And I would say, and I started eating meat again a couple of years ago, and I'm probably a healthier eater <laughs> as a meat eater than I was as a vegetarian. Cause I was just mm-hmm. always hungry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some bodies always- <laughs> just need the animal right. protein. Yeah.
2: I think, and I think my, my body did Need animal protein and more specifically Publix fried chicken, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it's like um, you know, and just being in the routine is nice and it does motivate me to continue to eat healthy because I'm like, I feel like I've invested this time in going to the gym and I'm not gonna ruin it with certain things, and I, you know, I've I, you know, I, there's certain things I'm also not going to give up. Like I'm going to put a little creamer in my coffee every morning and have dessert when I feel like it. It's not every uh-huh. night, but um, you know, what does mommy always say, Allison? It's the Moderation. exception, at the Moderation. rule. Moderation. Oh, <laughs> she is
1: she has a lot of sayings. She but always it's says the, put on lipstick too, but I don't. The the think on on oh lipstick. my gosh,
2: <laughs> that's such a
0: southern thing. My grandmother, yeah. Every woman, I come from a long line of women who wear lipstick.
1: Every day. <laughs> I've deviated I mean, a little so, bit, but if we did not so one lipstick thing on she would want to kiss us. Here, let me give you a little Yeah, Let me give you some lipstick.
2: <laughs> but it's funny because when I started working out, I had a really hard time not wearing lipstick to the gym. <laughs>
0: I love it. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Well, yeah, the key is to have different shades, Amanda. You have to have, you know, actually, no, in the Seattle, lighter. like, I mean, the you workout
2: know. shade. Yeah,
0: the workout <laughs> shade. No, in Seattle, anything goes. Like, if I, yeah, the, the, like, I'm always the best dressed person in the room here because it, because I come from the East Coast and that's just, you know, how I roll. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, but so, Allison, what about you? Was there a, was there a turning point, a trigger for you? you've talked well, a little bit about sort of just aging yeah, <laughs> which aging. i'm right there with you sister
1: it's also <laughs> i think um, i think kids are are probably a national motivator that i don't want to be I don't want to be left behind. I have my husband. And I have three teenage boys, 17, 15, and 13. They're all very athletic. Um, they've all. It's been evolutionary, but they are all pretty much. You know, they. I mean, we all eat the chips. Like we can't help it in, in, in snacks. <laughs> but um, for the most part, they all take their their nutrition and health uh, very seriously. I'm married to and a two-time Ironman, and he's you know been doing CrossFit for almost a decade, and he's you know he's always been quite the athlete. And so really like when we got married almost 21 years ago, I joked that I had to to step up my game, literally. (laughs) I mean, I learned how in the course of like two years, in our first two years of being together married, I learned how to water ski, I learned how to slalom, I learned how to snow ski, um, I had to pick up a tennis racket, which I hadn't done ever. I did all these things just because that was part of his routine, like to always be active. And so now the older I get and the more physically fit all three of our boys and my husband continue to get, I really just—it's a survivalist instinct. I don't want to be <laughs> left in the dust, and uh, they already leave me on the hills. I finally learned how to uh, perfect the art of um, wake surfing on the lake last summer, and it's funny. This is this is the uh, the learning curve. It took me really probably four weeks of really, this is probably two summers ago now, but four weeks of intensive time on the lake with my husband while our kids were at camp to make sure that I I could compete with them, so to speak, or at least be on their level. And they all came back from camp and were impressed for about 30 seconds until they reached my level in about, an hour of being on the lake, so you know everything for me is takes a little longer. I'm determined to get there, but um, look, I, w- I want to be able to keep up with my kids. I definitely want to be able to always keep up with my husband. I want to, I want to be active for as long as possible. Amanda and I are lucky that we have uh, longevity, not only lipstick in, that runs in our family, but longevity <laughs> and had all four grandparents alive for for most of our adult lives and. And so I want to be there, but I don't want to be, I don't want anything that I can do now in preparation for hopefully knock on wood that longevity um, to prevent me from doing anything in those years and look back and regret that I didn't prepare myself physically, mentally, emotionally, health-wise.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and that leads me to the question as we're kind of wrapping things up. Like, is there a daily habit that for either of you that you, um, that you sort of stick with that kind of disproportionately affects how you feel, how you show up? Is there some one thing that like, is kind of like the thing that has to happen?
1: Besides my morning coffee, you mean? Oh, <laughs> well, yes. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of my first things too. Um, you know, look this, and this may sound, I don't know if this sounds cheesy. It may not be what you're asking, but uh, for me, it's the connectivity with with the people i love that we don't you know my parents to this day do this, but we don't go to bed at night without telling each other that we love each other. And not just me and my husband, but our three boys, we're now at the age where we go to bed before them. So they tuck us in and say, (laughs) I love you. And the same thing in the morning, we started that routine very early. um, Even when I was still driving the kids to school that they couldn't get out of the car without kissing me and saying, I love you and leaving that. And if I, I'm also very superstitious, but to this day, um, nobody leaves the house without making that connection early in the morning. And then we don't go to bed without making that connection again. Um, everything else to me, um, it's, it is about healthy eating. It is about working out and, and making sure my body is, is on par with hopefully my mental and, and uh, emotional state. But Without that sort of uh, capacity to make sure that I'm connecting with the people around me who I love um, and that those connections are every morning and every night, you know, as we rise and as we go to sleep, I'm not sure the rest will matter. So yeah. for me, that's what that's what's important. That and my cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, totally. No, and I'm really glad that you said that. I actually um, had a, a psychotherapist and relationship expert on the podcast a few weeks ago, called, um, named Sonia Brewer, and she was talking a lot about how, uh, specifically, how high achieving couples who are both, you know, very busy, can find that those points of connection in their day, and how important that really was to the, yeah, to the big picture of self care and self love. And so, no, I'm actually really glad you brought you that up because you're right. The rest of it. At the end of the day, we know from research that the community and connection and family and friends is ultimately what what contributes the most to our sense of well-being. Um, So I think that's really, really important. What about you, Amanda? What is there something?
2: I mean, I would say very similar to Allison as far as connectivity, except instead of with my family, it's actually to Facebook. um... Oh, right. um, Your internet friends, right? Is that what you call them on
0: your podcast? (laughs)
2: Well, that's more of a, an addictive routine that I probably need some help with. But <laughs> um, I don't know. Like our our kids are, we have twins that are eight and an 11-year-old. And our mornings are pretty hectic. And of course, coffee is part of that. But I would say it's more of a routine I have at night with the family. And we basically every night have a dance party where we turn I up the music that. really loud and just dance. And the kids have dance-offs and it's pretty funny. That's awesome. Uh,
0: I love that. That's so fun. I I uh, I'm I'm picturing it in my head. That sounds like fun for sure.
2: Well, there's a probably a video on Facebook somewhere. That you- <laughs> <laughs> somewhere,
0: I'll have to I'll have to look that up for sure. Totally. One Thank or twenty guys. videos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. I I so tell actually, what are you excited about? Like, what's what's next for you guys? Oh
2: gosh. Um, I- <laughs> oh, you wanna, I'm Go ahead, Amanda. Uh, you're, you're the planner.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, well, is it? Are we supposed to talk about the podcast here? You can talk about whatever about the
0: whatever. answer is to that question. Oh.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm most excited about this uh, stand-up comedy tour that I'm doing called The Brisket Belt with my friend HT Rosen, and we're doing a traveling tour around the Southeast. We're going to be in Nashville and Huntsville and Charlotte. And we are just in Birmingham and we're going to go back to Birmingham and have a show in Atlanta mid-June. So that's, Um, that's fun. But I have to say every week, every week that I get to do this podcast with my sister is a big highlight because I love being with her and it's just really special. I'm the little sister. So I've always wanted to do something with her. So this is, the fact that this is part of our routine is important to me. And I I was a terrible
1: big sister. I know it's (laughs) believe who have put me on this pedestal now of of uh, of niceties and and kindness, but I was a terrible big sister growing up. So (laughs) I've been spending at least the last, I don't know, nine months or so, and I'm sure I'll spend the next 25 years making up for it by this weekly podcast. (laughs) Hey, Who's well, your podcast sponsored by? I'm like my guilt. It is sponsored <laughs>
2: by my guilt. So, mommy, mommy always said go be with your sister. And finally, Allison, a year ago, was like, "Fine, I'll go spend time with her." <laughs> I love it. Well,
0: and it so comes across in the podcast too that you guys enjoy each other. Well, and I can totally can totally relate. To that. I don't know what my what my little sister would say. We're five years apart, so pretty close. To, what are you guys? Seven years apart is that what you said.
1: Seven,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a weird age gap because like she wasn't even on my radar when I was, a kid. I'm like, I don't even know what is that little thing over there. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not until you're adults that you sort of, I, I mean, at least for me and my sister, like recognize the value of that relationship and, and, um, and make a, uh, make a conscious effort to cultivate it. And, you know, it all goes back to what you're saying with connection, you know, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it totally and- comes across in the podcast, but yeah. So Alison, what about you? What are you excited about? What's next for you?
1: Well, yeah, look, I, you know, someone said, what are your, you know, five-year goals or 10-year goals? And I said, I don't, I don't really have goals that reach out that far. And they, they said, Oh, that's so funny. You're so goal oriented. And I, I do, think of myself as a, a high achiever, but I also feel like the beauty of some of the blessings in my life, especially the, the way my professional life has taken and all the different hats I get to wear on a, on a weekly and annual basis is because I've, I've opened myself up to possibilities and not to be so regimented in approach that I'm not ready to take on opportunities such as the podcast uh, when they kind of present themselves. So I'm excited about that the A-List that is uh, produced locally by WTCI, your PBS station, uh, is we're about to launch our 10th season this coming year, which is hard to believe. And uh, and for Amanda and me, and uh, tell continues to be the highlight of, of our weeks. I think we both admit to that. And we're also excited that in May, Uh, We are going to be featured on a panel for one of the largest uh, social media conferences in the country in Atlanta, Georgia, May 7th through 9th, called The Social Shake-Up Show. And so we're excited we're going to be featured there as as two podcasters and how we got started. And uh, I think our motto is... We fake it until we make it. So (laughs) we just keep putting out products. And if people listen, that makes our day. So totally. That's how that's exactly
0: how I feel. I actually got an email from a listener last week that literally you would have thought that I had like won the lottery. She said that she. Um, was listening to it on the way home from work and uh, had to stay in the car and drive around the neighborhood to finish it because it was so good. I'm like, Oh my God, I caused the driveway moment. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's big.
0: That's huge. So big,
1: like totally made my day
0: as a, as an NPR junkie. So anyway, yeah, actually um, where can people learn more about you and your podcast and, or whatever you want them to know?
2: Well, they can visit our website, sysintel.com and where they can get links to however they choose to listen to podcasts. There's Stitcher link, the iTunes, and you can listen on our website. And also, you know, if you want to send us a message, we're on Facebook at sysintel and Instagram at sysintel.
0: Perfect. Thank you guys so much. I want to keep talking forever, just the
1: Southern thing. I love it, but, but
2: I know it's been
1: fun. Thanks it's for so having fun. us. Thank you, Laura, so much for having us. We're so glad we all connected together. Yay. Oh, I know. <laughs> all right, ladies, enjoy your day. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. you too. That's it for this week's
0: episode of Women on the Rise. Visit laradolchcom slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women forward workspace designed for community work and wellness, not just a desk in a co-working space. The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support resources and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Free neighborhoods. And the third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co that's C O slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.